Hello, happy Halloween, and welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. I am your ghoulish host, Brucker, and thank you so much for coming back to the show. Today on the program, I am going to be going through the excellent and atmospheric slasher movie from John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. That is Halloween from 1978. Thank you so much for coming back to the program, and I am so excited for today's episode. Halloween is one of my favorite slasher movies, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, as I am sure it's on everybody's list. But the more I watch it, the more I just dig it and appreciate all the stuff that went into this. I probably have like a little bit of a soft spot for this because I got to actually meet Tony Moran last year. If you don't know who that is, Tony Moran played Michael Myers in this movie. I know Nick Castle was the shape in this, but Tony Moran played the Michael that was unmasked in certain parts of this, like when he escapes the sanitarium and when he gets into that fight with Laurie Strode at the top of the stairs and she takes the mask off of him. That person is Tony Moran, not Nick Castle. Tony Moran came to Greenville, South Carolina last year, actually, and he they did a private screening of Halloween at a theater here in town, and he did a Q&A with the folks and got to take my picture with him, got him, he signed a poster, and the dude was awesome. He, I think he really liked being, he likes being part of like the cons and like the fan events and things like that, and his whole Q&A was ridiculous and honestly maybe something I should share a little bit more about on this show and talk about what it was like meeting him he was such a cool dude and it was amazing to get to see this movie on the big screen because I don't know there's just something magical about being transported back and kind of getting a first sort of view into like movies like this in a theater Um, and by first view I mean kind of like seeing what the first audience kind of saw you know like being in that sort of realm of being in the auditorium like that not just like watching in your living room um i got to do that with jaws as well recently and it was a life-changing experience i fucking loved it um all right so getting to today's program as i said i will be going through halloween from 1978 and this will be a kill grade episode if you're unfamiliar with my kill grade episodes let me explain I will be guiding you through the movie kill by kill and discussing what I liked about the kill and the kill scene surrounding it itself. I'll be sharing my grades and rankings throughout the course of the discussion and I will then summarize and list them all at the end of this. Now before I get to the murders, I want to thank the folks over on my Patreon site, Tiffany, Jasher, Cleveland, and James. You guys are awesome, and it is because of those folks that I am doing this episode because this was part of a Patreon-exclusive episode poll, and they all voted on a Halloween kill grade. So you, have, so you folks, if you like this episode, you have them to thank, and if you like to have a bigger say in my show, access to bonus content, and also access to a Patreon Discord channel, head over to patreon.com slash Horror, and there are links in the show notes. And I'll be forever grateful for your contributions. Let's get into the kill grading now. We open up with a very atmospheric opening. It is Halloween night, 1963, in the small suburban town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Our first victim is Judith Myers, the sister of Michael Myers. What I love about this scene in the opening of this is that it feels so relatable and familiar in a sense that is kind of eerie and off-putting 
Because this house that we open up on, the Myers house, it looks familiar, doesn't it? It looks like you grew up on this street. This could have been your neighbor's house. This could have been your house. There's nothing super extraordinary about it. It's just, hey, we're on this suburban street, small town. We hear kids trick-or-treating. They're doing their songs. And this is where our horror begins. We get this awesome POV steady cam stalking the house. We get this uh this little like POV of creeping through the window. We're seeing Judith and her boyfriend on the couch. They're making out and you know they're moving things upstairs to have sex. And the her her and her boyfriend kind of question where's where's Michael at? But they're kinda like, eh, fuck it. Let's just go upstairs and uh fool around. All this is great because the POV it's so good. You don't know who, who you are yet. You're wondering, are you the killer? Are you Michael? Are you just another Peeping Tom kid? And then things escalate as you walk through the kitchen and we see that small hand reach into the drawer and grab the kitchen knife, which by the way was Deborah Hill's arm doing all this, which I thought was awesome. We sneak through the house and we see uh, Judith Myers, uh, poor Judith, she... Uh, She's about to be murdered, and she looks like probably didn't get a good lay even beforehand because we have a little two-pump chump over here. (laughs) But as he leaves the house, we go upstairs, find the mask, don the clown mask, put it over the POV of the camera, and now we have spotted our victim, shirtless, brushing her hair. This is all so horrifying because of the buildup, the buildup of sneaking and peeping into the house, breaking into the house, getting a weapon, now we've donned a mask, and things are about to escalate. It is so good, so creepy, and what is fascinating is that it's through the POV of the killer. It's making you, the audience, almost complicit in the killings. It's like, hey, you're watching this happen, you're seeing this unfold, you know, you can't stop it, it's just, it's just so good. And then we get the deadly blows, I believe it is nine uh, stabbings to her chest, and I love how the camera goes back and forth between seeing the knife go up and down, and seeing Judith, and, um, and we finally see her dead body on the floor with blood. One of the things about this kill that is unique from the others in this is, besides how it's shot, this is all kind of shot as like its own little vignette in kind of a sense. Like this kind of feels like this could have been its own horror story, like in an anthology movie or something like that. And what's, I don't know, what's just so good about this that also makes it different besides the POV and everything is that I find it interesting that we actually get blood in this one because we don't really get a whole lot of blood in this first Halloween movie. That's what makes it so different of course, from the other Halloween movies. They kind of camp it up a little bit when they're trying to compete with the, um, the, the slashers of, the, of its time, like the Friday the 13th. Um, you can tell like a big difference between this and Halloween 2 and especially Halloween 4 with like just the, the campiness of the gore. But this movie's not trying to do that. This movie, and especially this opening kill, even though there is blood, it is not trying to scare you with the gore or the mangling. It's trying to scare you with the dread. It's trying to make you dread, fuck, I don't want this happening to me. I don't want to be running into this. Is there a child up walking up my stairs right now that I don't know about? That's what this movie's trying to do. 
And this opening scene is setting that so well. And it's great because the, you know, the death scene itself, it's, you know, it's fairly quick, but, you know, it goes on long enough to make you feel a little queasy and uncomfortable. And then it finally wraps up with you walking downstairs after killing Judith, walking onto the front lawn, the parents coming up, and then they take off the mask and the parents are kind of just left there stunned and speechless. And you get this awesome crane shot zooming out, panning out, and it's just boom. That's Halloween, motherfuckers. And then we cut forward, I believe it's 15, 16 years later. 15 years later. Ah, so good. What a kill. So let's, let's go ahead and get into this. I'm going to be giving this kill a grading of a B+. Plus. Um, now, this isn't, you know, an over-the-top, crazy, elaborate kill with many special effects, but I'm kind of grading on a curve slightly here, I guess. Uh, what really makes this kill work is all of the periphery. It's the atmosphere, the mood, the steady cam, the POV shots, just there's just everything about it in the build up to it, which I think is part of it. It's so freaking good. But the kill itself is, you know, it, it's pretty tamed. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give it a B plus, still good. And it is my second favorite kill of this movie. So it is ranked at number two out of five on the list. It's good. It's a good one to, to start off the, the movie with, you know, this is what you're getting into. It's going to be all just now you're just dreading. You're dreading this person named Michael, and you don't know anything about him. But don't worry. We're going to spend some part of the movie building up his lore about why you should be scared of him, why adults are scared of him with Dr. Loomis and everything. It's just fucking fantastic. So, way to go. Good opening kill. Let's go on to the next one. I'm here now, now for God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. And it is crazy how quickly this movie will valley in terms of the kills. Alrighty, so this next kill is a poor mechanic of Phelps' garage. Dr. Loomis has uh, been trying to warn people about Michael escaping and warning that Haddonfield is definitely his destination. He stops on the side of the road, because this is be before cell phones, of course, stops at a payphone to call the sheriff of Haddonfield to warn him, and he's saying that it's going to be your funeral if you don't take this seriously. Again, building up the lore, the anticipation, and the dread of Michael, which is still so good. And then Dr. Loomis just kind of happens to notice that there is this broken down or crashed pickup truck on the side of the road, kind of deeper uh, off the roads next to the railroad tracks. And he discovers the matchbox for the Rabbit in Red Lounge, which is a clue that Michael has been here and that he is indeed following his trail. But Dr. Loomis doesn't walk an extra five feet to see that there is a dead, naked man on the side of the road. And this man does have some blood, but the method of death is kind of hard to tell. I mean, it would have had to been some sort of manhandling or strangling of some sort, but that doesn't necessarily explain the blood that we see on his chest. And also, this kind of clears up, you know, where Michael got his jumpsuit outfit from. He killed this man and took it off of him and that's why he's naked um yeah so th this this kill doesn't 
add a whole lot to it. Uh, I gave it a grade of an F, and it is ranked at the bottom of the barrel for this movie, sitting at place number five. But, I mean, the, the scene around it is still good for everything I said. It's still Loomis building up the lore, and we're seeing that he is following Michael's trail, which is still building up the dread. So it's working in that sense, but I don't know if I wanted to give it anything higher than an F, because, I mean, we're, we're grading kills, and this kill happened off screen. I can't even tell you a method of slaying here. So, yeah, the mechanic of Phelps Garage, this is a zero, and um, I think the coolest thing about it is that uh, Rabbit in Red Lounge clue. But that's going to do it for the mechanic of Phelps Garage. Let's go ahead and move it on to the next victim. it's so foggy in this car right now all right let's get into this next kill which is annie laurie's friend or if you want to call her friend i just want to take a little moment here to say that annie and linda were both pretty terrible friends to laurie this whole movie they weren't really nice or anything they're kind of pushy and made fun of her the whole time they were um i don't know i don't know if they were actually friends with laurie strode but anywho Annie's whole death scene here. Um, Annie's character is interesting in like the purpose of like the the fear analysis of this movie, because so much of the first sort of like dreadful moments that we get are of Michael stalking Annie here at this point in the movie, and it's very good. We see him standing outside the window, and her character is kind of baffling to me. She spills a little bit of butter on her shirt so that means that she has to strip down to be practically naked and is no pants wearing like an oversized shirt in this she's dressed like a lampshade i don't get it i don't know if it's a thing of like hey it's an 80s slasher movie or i'm sorry 70s slasher movie let's you know just let's um let's horn it up a little bit I don't know. I, I've never really got this. And of course, she even crosses the street without pants on and she's just having a blanket cover her. All, all of this is just weird. But I do love this whole whistling song she's doing about Paul wanting to go see Paul. And then when she finally gets back into the car, she notices that it's foggy. She's like, what's all this condensation? And then, boom, John Carpenter slaps you in the fucking face with that awesome needle drop. And then Michael is choking her. And the way he's doing this, it's one-handed, which is fucking terrifying. He, he's all bowed out, choking her with one hand, and she is struggling, honking on the car. And then the music kind of goes away at some point, and you're just watching this woman fucking just die kind of slowly. Uh, and it's, it, it's terrifying and tragic. Uh, it's traumatizing. And then Michael finally lays the final blow with a quick slit with, uh, with the kitchen knife across her neck, and that causes her to die. I will say uh, the actress playing Annie, she does really commit and sell the, the, the death here by 
you know, having her face lean against the window, she kind of goes cross-eyed. Um, it's kind of uh, unintentionally funny. But anyways, this kill, I I go back and forth how much I like this one. Um, I I I, I like the manhandling one one armed choking. Uh, you don't see too many one one armed chokes, but you know it's one armed choke. A quick slit across the the throat, and we don't even see any blood come from this or anything. Um, it's a very scary scene, and that works so well for it. So, but the kill itself is lacking, I think, in something. I just feel like I just needed like a little bit of blood, or just I just needed like just one extra thing from this. I I feel so weird being critical of it, but I'm going to give it a B minus. Um, and I'm making this uh, ranking number four. Ranking number four. So it is second from the bottom on this list. Yeah, I mean, everything else about it is still so good. It's still so atmospheric. And you still... <laughs> so much through Annie's arc, uh, if you want to call it an arc, or her plot line in this movie, is that like you're just wondering when Michael's going to get her. Like, Is he going to get her when she goes to the shed to do laundry? Is he going to get her in the kitchen? Is he going to get her when she's walking back from Lori's house after dropping off, uh, uh, not Linda, but uh, Lindsay? Um, it's, I don't know, it's it's interesting, but uh, it, it's all good, it's not bad, but uh, I just like some of the other kills more in this. But it's not terrible, so, you know, she, she still beat out the mechanic, so she is uh, second to being bottom of the barrel for this, and that is Annie. Death by strangulation and throat slitting. Uh, I just love this music. I love I love including it in this episode. Myers House is my favorite track from the Halloween score. Anywho, we now move on to our next victim of Michael Myers, who is Bob. This is where the movie kind of starts to take a little bit of a darker turn, in my opinion. We've kind of gone away from the daytime stuff. Annie's now dead, and now we're looking to see who is the next next victim for him. And from here on out, the movie is really, really, really scary. And Bob's death here, I don't know, there's just so much stuff to unpack with his death and his, this death scene, because this movie and this kill these next two kills in particular are kind of where Halloween sort of presents that rule of sex equals death to the slasher genre that Friday the 13th very much runs away with. And if people have listened to it, um, you might be remembering some things I brought up in my conversation with Orlean in which we talked about the uh, fabulous horror essay, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. And that essay gets into how uh, slasher movies sort of um, portray male and female deaths very differently, especially if there is sex involved in that. Normally, if there is a kill shortly after our characters having sex, you are reminded of the female's uh, sexual transgression more often than you are of the male's. And here is a very cool, or I guess uh, poignant example of that. Uh, Bob and Linda have sex up in Andy's parents' bedroom, which is just kind of... Uh, just all sorts of you know tomfoolery and uh just crazy teenage stuff that is just super risky um and i love how this bedroom is lit by a single jack-o'-lantern that is on the nightstand i don't know anyone that puts a jack-o'-lantern in their 
bedroom. But uh, this is interesting. This town just must love Halloween. And apparently all the parents do because they're all gone at a Halloween party, <laughs> I guess. Um, but him and Linda have sex. And we see that Bob is kind of a two-pump chump as well. <laughs> um, but after they have sex, uh, he goes down to get them some beer. And he hears some strange, suspicious noises. And again, here's another rule what you're not supposed to do. He goes and investigates a strange sound that's coming from the pantry. Come on out. As he approaches the pantry, we are surprised by a jumping Michael Myers as he runs out of the pantry, slams Bob up against the wall, lifts him up, and then stabs him to the wall. It is so effective. It's a great jump scare in the slasher movie that doesn't really have many jump scares in it. And it's, uh, I think I have a lot of, I don't know, a soft spot for this kill specifically because this is, I think, the, the first time I watched this, this is the kill or the moment that got me the most. This one scared me a lot, and it still does. I still think it is so effective. Um, but again, his death here isn't, you're not really reminded about his sexual transgressions, at least according to, like, you know, you know the, the morals of, you know, 1970s, um, you know, sexual conduct or, conduct or whatever. But uh, you're not really reminded of, like, you know, he had premarital sex here or anything like that. He's fully clothed. He's just getting some beer. He's investigating a strange noise, and then he gets pinned to the wall. Overall, I really like this kill a lot. I'm giving it a minus. Um, I think I'm just giving it a lot of points for it actually being scary. He's being pinned up against the wall, and we're getting that classic Mike Myers head tilt at you know his own craftsmanship here. It's um, it's very 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 good. It is the at the top spot on my rankings for kills in this movie. It is number one out of five. Um, it is so good. It's my favorite one of this. And I find it to be so scary. Um, yeah, it's just so good. And I love the iconic head tilt. Uh, Jordan Peele has, I think it's on Shudder's History of Horror series. He, he talks about this kill. And he talks about Michael Myers. And he talks about the head tilt here and how much he loves it. And he Jordan I love his sort of take on this and that Jordan Peele states that he sees this as Michael tilting his head as his own as Michael's like fascination with death and and just like people in this and that like he's almost like wow I caused this or like he like finds it fascinating as in like wow what is this what is happening to this person I want to watch them die and like I did this it, it uh, I wonder if Michael feels a sense of accomplishment or just wonder and fascination with with the with the living and the dead and like you know watching that process uh, fade out into the other um I don't know it's it's just so interesting there's there's so many things with this and again this movie's about to get really fucking scary with everything's about to happen next ugh and I love how Michael decides, for whatever reason, <laughs> to put on a bedsheet and Bob's glasses over the bedsheet. I have no real take or interpretation of this besides that, is it Michael just, he's still a kid and he thinks like a kid and he thinks that this is funny? Or is this like him 
is this him like trying to be like a criminal mastermind and be like, all right, well, I can't just reveal myself to Linda upstairs automatically because then she'll run or whatever. So I'm just going to don this uh, ghost costume with Bob's glasses, make her think I'm Bob so that way she doesn't freak out so I get close to her and then start to strangle her. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's the correct answer, but uh, I just love that funny little quirk in this, and it's creepy too at the same time. Um, yeah, but that is the death of Bob. He was rammed up against a wall and stabbed to it like a piece of art. All right, let's continue on with the kill grading as we get to our final kill of Halloween from 1978. First I get your famous chewing, now I get your famous squealing. Can't I get your ghost, Bob? Man, what a weird movie this is with the dialogue. Um, but next up on the kill grade is Linda. Totally Linda. Totally. As I mentioned with the conclusion of Bob's death, Michael has now donned a ghost sheet and is wearing Bob's glasses. And we kind of get this kind of funny back and forth between him and Linda. Well, Michael doesn't really give any back and forth, but you know what I mean. Linda's saying, can I get your ghost, Bob? She gets a little frustrated and decides to call Lori. Um, during this, well, it's so good. The music starts to pick up as she has turned her back to Michael. And Lori has now answered the phone. But during all of this, Michael is slowly inching, getting closer and closer to Linda. And she doesn't even know it. And then as soon as Lori answers the phone, that is when he strikes and starts to strangle her from behind. And I'm now realizing how much of this movie is, has to deal with str strangulation and just like just man hands on, on a person, just killing them. Not so much of stabby weapons and everything. Um, it, it's a good mix of the two. And it's very much of like, wow, he's a fucking brute, brute force of nature that is here to kill you no matter what. Um, terrifying. Anyways. Uh, we get this phone call, and Linda's being strangled to death by the phone cord over this, and during this phone call, and it's, we kind of get, like, this funny back and forth with Lori, and how she, you know, the whole famous chewing and squealing thing of this, but, uh, I think it's, like, what's scary is that, like, Lori doesn't exactly know what's going on, and you're wanting her to take this seriously, you're wanting her to, like, connect the dots and pick everything up and be like, oh shit, she's being harmed over there. I should call someone instead of her just getting suspicious and decides to, I'm going to go check in on what's going on over there. So getting to this kill and everything, um, it's, it, it, it's a, I'm, tr I'm trying to like compare it to the Annie death because Annie was also strangled. But this strangulation, I think it's like a little bit scarier just because of the buildup. This wasn't a jump scare. This was getting more into like how we see Michael into as um, somebody that we dread. And we're getting that whole like, fuck, like get out of the room, Linda, the whole time when he's underneath the ghost sheet. And as he inches towards her, you're just like screaming, turn around and run away. It's so different from the Annie one where he pops out of nowhere and starts to strangle her. This one, you know, it, it's all the dread, and I fucking love that. I think it's scarier that way that it's not um, as much of a jump scare. 
Uh, it's so good. And I'll mention it here because I mentioned it with Bob's death, but the whole men, women, and chainsaws sort of thing here with how we're kind of instantly reminded about her sexual transgressions right before this death here because she flashes Michael. And then as Michael is killing her, her breasts become exposed again during all of this. And then we get the whole squealing joke with Lori. It's, it's, I don't know, it, it's just kind of interesting about how, like, uh, at least, like, Linda here in this scenario and this trend kind of continues in other slasher movies in the 80s about how the one, you're, you're more quickly to be reminded about the, the, how the woman just had sex as opposed to the man during their death scenes. Kind of interesting. Um, but again, this whole death scene, it's important because it sets up Lori going over to Annie's house to investigate. And again, that is Laurie breaking the cardinal rules of slasher movies. Um, and I love Michael picking up the phone and bringing it to the mask. It's just kind of funny and interesting. But yeah, so for grading this kill, I have a hard time because I really do like this one. But I, like, I think it's more of just the dreadful atmosphere that is built around it. Not so much of the kill itself. At face value, I think I'm going to give the kill itself a B, uh, just because of you know it's just manhandling, uh, strangulation with the phone cord, which is cool and everything. I like that there's a prop involved with the phone cord, but you know it's not this overly complicated thing and you know not getting a whole lot of gore and everything, but it's still scary. So I'm going ahead and give it a B, and I had a hard time saying like where I wanted to rank this um, because like my top three are kind of I don't know, just, you know, the, the time of day or whatever kind of flip-flops, but um, I, I would say right now I'm going to rank it at the, in the middle of the pack here. So this is going to be my third favorite kill from the movie. So three out of five is where I have this kill. And that is actually the final kill to Halloween from 1978. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll, I'll come right back for a recap. All right, guys, I know that you have all been in this situation before. There's a new horror TV show or movie out, but you're not really sure if it's worth your time. You wish that you could have a buddy just kind of screen it for you and let you know what are some of the ins and outs that you need to know if it's worth your time, if it's good, if it's bad, but don't spoil anything. Just give me a couple of nuggets to know if I want to watch it. Well, I got the resource for you. Head over to horrorpress.com. This is a fantastic horror safe haven website with all sorts of stuff on there. Movie reviews, TV shows, rankings, editorials, all sorts of articles are on there right now at horrorpress.com. And what I love about it is that if you find a writer that you really like, head over to their contributions page where you can find some of your favorite authors and see all the stuff that they have written. And as I said, besides horror movies, reviews, and things like that, they do really good recommendations of Shudder Monthly. It is their It Came From Shudder Monthly article. Definitely recommend checking out, not just for new releases, but also some like deep dives and stuff that's in their back catalog. Really good stuff over there. Also want to point out that if you go over to Fangoria.com and use the promo code HORRORPRESSLLC, all one word, you'll get 20% off your purchase. So that's right, head over to Fangoria.com and use the promo code HORRORPRESSLLC to get 20% off. And also be sure to head over to HORRORPRESS.com and check out your favorite articles there. There are links in the show notes. Alright guys, let's go on and get back to the show. 
Alrighty, let's go ahead and do a quick recap of today's kill grading. At number one, we have Bob with an A minus. I really liked the jump scare that this was and him being pinned against the wall with the kitchen knife and Michael doing the classic head tilt. Uh, it was just one of my favorites and the one that scared me the most on my first watch of this movie. At number two, closely behind Bob, it is Judith Myers with a B plus. Love seeing all the blood, love seeing the POV and everything. And I think that there's actually an argument that this could be number one, but I'm kind of going with my nostalgia bias here with, uh, with Bob being my number one. But Judith Myers' kill, still very good. At number two on my rankings. Number three is Linda. Linda being strangled with a phone cord. I gave her a B. I kind of just like how dreading this is and Michael coming towards her and the music is picking up. It's, uh, it's really fucking good stuff. I love it. And number four, I have Annie. Uh, out of the on-screen kills from this movie, this is the one I just think I was just less impressed by. Uh, I was just kind of wishing for something a little bit more. I almost kind of wish that he got her in the laundry room. Maybe got a little bit of a chase scene out of it, but um, still not terrible. So Annie with a B minus in the car getting strangled and then her slit, her uh, throat being slit. And then number five, the most boring kill of this movie because it happens off screen. Don't even know what happens to him, but it is the mechanic from Phelps Garage earning an F kill grade. And that is going to wrap things up for today's episode. This has been the Halloween from 1978 Kill Grade. Thank you so much for coming by and listening. I hope that you have a very fun and spooky Halloween. Eat lots of good candy. Watch some awesome horror movies. And please be sure to share me with friends and family and colleagues. Be sure that you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. And come over by the Patreon got some fun stuff over there and if you want to be a part of the small community i got going on vote on polls have access to episodes early bonus content all sorts of stuff the discord channel as well head over to patreon.com slash horror and i want to shout out the patrons i have right now who are tiffany james cleveland and jasher you guys are awesome and thank you for voting on this episode one last shout out i want to thank horror press horrorpress.com be sure that you use the promo code HorrorPress LLC when you go to Fangoria to get 20% off your purchase there. Alright guys, I am logging off. Have a happy and safe spooky Halloween. Be sure to watch some good movies and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.